Welcome to the Agile Wire, where professional scrum trainers Jeff Boobles and Jeff Molesky discuss agile topics. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Boobles and Jeff Molesky. And we are recording. All right, Mr. Boobles, kick us off, man. All right, so we got Bob back on the podcast with us, Bob Gallen. So, Bob, thanks for joining us again today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, both of you. I, I was I was ecstatic when you reached out. I love it. Not many people reach out, so I don't know what happened. <laughs> or at least a second time, game. right? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That means I didn't blow it the first time. So, But thank you very much. It's an honor. Yeah, great to have you back. And um, one of the topics I know we're going to hit is, is your book. So oh, badass agile coaching, right? Like it's it's a pretty awesome book that's out there. Um I just let's start the conversation here. Like, why write another book? Like, you've written a few books already. Like, you're, you know, you're probably in you're in the home stretch of your career, right? Like, why write another one? <laughs> the home stretch of my career. Yeah, I, that's a way to start. Thank you. Don't let my wife hear that. She would argue, right? My wife would like me. She, is it really the home stretch, <laughs> or is it the last? <laughs> is it the last step? Uh, uh, I can't. I can answer why. For me, I don't know. Uh, other authors have different reasons that I've talked to. For me, it's I have to. I have to have. Um, I have to see a problem that I want to address. So it goes back to. Um, is that true? Actually, it's true of every book I've written. I saw a situation that mm. really bugged me. So, so when I say a problem, it's a challenge in the space that I'm working either in the company, but more so in like software engineering or in agile. And I have to, and I see something that kind of bugs me mm-hmm. and it, and it's, and it drives energy. Uh, the product owner book was like that. When I wrote the pro- the first edition of the product owner book, I started writing it around 2007, maybe. And there was no guidance for product ownership back there. Like mm-hmm. none. Well, I mean, a half Very a page little, or right? something. Yeah. Yeah. So product owners were like struggling out in the real world. And I was a, a VP or something in a company and I, and my, and the product owners were struggling in the company and I'm like, you know, crap, we need to do something. Uh, so I thought, well, let's, let's start writing something down. That's wh- whatever, you know, whatever I can do to help the, the profession in that space. So that's what drives me now having some stories to tell experience is another thing, but having some passion that there's, you know, there's a problem to help people with. Uh, and that's what drove me with agile coaching. I was even a little bit more fired up about coaching because there's a there's a lot of different opinions about what agile coaching is in mm-hmm. the universe and what it isn't. And I not that I'm the clarifier, but I'm like someone needs to put a stake in the ground and say uh, agile coaching isn't just professional coaching. Someone needs to bring some breath to it. So I, I, I that's what motivated me to write the book. So. That that's great. Um, one of the things that uh, I know I was reading it, and you know, you read a lot of different books, and I'm just like, well, you know, I've heard this thing, or is this reframing something different? And there's a lot of great references, lots of things inside of it that I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I haven't looked at that for a long time. I should look back into that. And there are a lot of new things that I hadn't seen before too. You know, so there's there's some of both things. But one thing that I think is really interesting for all agile coaches out there, and you think you dive deep into it, is like that continuous maintenance or self care. And I, I really struck home for me when we were starting it. I was reading about halfway through the book, and you actually mentioned uh, a podcast that we were on the last one time, and you were talking about our podcast. And I read it, and I was like, oh, that was really cool. And then I stopped, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, I failed in that today. Like, 
I used way too much uh, we or awesome them language and and some more I language and and then you know like building something collaborative with a client and I'm like I could have done way better and that was something that we even talked about a couple of years ago so it, it was a, it was an opportunity for me to reflect go back and say yep I need I got to go back and I got to change something um, and so it just I don't any book that makes me stop think reflect and uh, hopefully improve. Uh, that's what, that's what I hope long term. Um, I think is a great uh, addition to our community. So I, I guess you know, thanks for that. And um, I just you never know when you're going to need that paragraph or this paragraph, but it always seems to find you at the right time. You know, when you're when you're um, always doing that self care and taking care of yourself in that maintenance. Thank you for that. I, I become I don't I forget when exactly we talked, but a few years ago I had I had a stroke. I had a mini stroke, a mini event in my life. And I was burning the candle at both ends. I was flying too much. I was coaching too much. I was greedy too much. So it was like, it was, I was a little out of control. My heart was in the right place, but I was a little out of control. And, I, and it caused me to reset. And uh, since then, and I'm not perfect at all. I'm not a role model. Uh, but uh, work-life balance or self-care, I really focused on self-care, really taking, like being conscious of it. Uh, the other part of it, Jeff, is, and this is something that bugs me, a lot of coaches will coach people for self-care or they'll coach people for balance or whip limits or something, but then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I wanted, self-care is a theme in the book. It really is, and it was intentional. But also this walk our talk, uh, damn it, we're a role model. Like we're coaching, I, I, I hope you guys realize this. I think you do, but I want to, I want to land it. We're role, mo- we're role models when we're not saying a word. Like you can walk into virtually walk in or physically walk in. We're how we show up, like our presence, our our self awareness, our sense of self, uh, what we do, uh, what we say, how we say it, how we do it. Uh, matters so much. It's like role modeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the self-care aspect of that, you know, it's like, you don't have to coach someone for self-care. Show them how, show them how to do it. Show, them, mm-hmm. show someone how you're doing it. Uh, and, and don't, don't say a word and see how they respond to that. So since you had that stroke, like what are some things you do personally for self-care? I, I go into nature a lot. So I'm not a bike rider. I'm, I'm, as, as someone told me recently, I'm at the, what, the, the, the end of the journey of my, of what, what did they say? The short strokes or uh, something? The home I forget what it was. <laughs> the home the stretch. Home stretch. <laughs> the, the home stretch. <laughs> You're going to say, I'm going to be scarred with that for the rest of the day. <laughs> so, so I'm not that physical, uh, but I love nature. I love gardening. Uh, I love reading. Uh, before we start recording, Jeff was talking to me about what's on your bookshelf. And I was like, Terry Brooks. Um, and for me, one of the best ways to recharge me is to escape into a book, not just any book, a, mm-hmm. a fantasy book. So I used to read hard science fiction, but now it's any fantasy, any place. Uh, authors who build worlds, mm-hmm. who, are, who are great in character development and complexity and world builders, uh, allow me to escape. And that helps me. Another weird thing I do is, and this drives Josh, Josh Anderson, my podcast. When we record here, I like candles. So I have scented candles in my office. And what I find is it gives me, when I'm teaching workshops virtually, mm-hmm. you should smell the, the office here. I mean, there's, there's pine trees and there's lavender and there's all these weird scents, uh, beaches sometimes. So 
just things like that. I, I do a little meditation. I'm not really into yoga, but I, mm-hmm. I do some uh, sort of meditation, and that helps me. It helps me to sort of de-stress. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that help me. So I'm curious, Bob. You were you were saying earlier, you know, when when you started to write a book, you you were writing it from the position of you saw a problem that you wanted to solve, um, and I, I'm kind of curious in the things that you were just talking about now. And you had mentioned, you know, some some coaches only the uh, coach on the the self improvement um, area. What what was the problem that you were trying to solve with this book that you wrote? I I've seen, and it's not. And I'm not trying to let me reframe. I'm trying to add to it. I don't know. These are, I don't know if I solved the product owner dilemma with the product owner book. And I don't know if I've solved anything in the coaching space. But one of the things I was trying to do, I, I saw a lot of one trick ponies. And I've written about this. So one thing that I, that I saw that bugged me is coaches that had one coaching stance yep. uh, that they would fall into. Uh, I'll pick on the professional coaching stance. Asking powerful questions. So I'm not anti-professional coaching. and I'm not anti-powerful questions. But I've seen so many coaches that that's the only tool in their toolbox. And and they subject their clients, whether it's a leadership client or a team or whatever, whoever they're coaching. I refer to, the, you know, whoever you're coaching is your client. They subject their clients to death by a thousand questions. And, and that's all they've got in their toolbox. Or that's all. Or they've been told. Someone's told them that that's the only, that's your mm-hmm. primary stance and you need to stay there. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to stop that. I, I'm like, we need to be better than that. We need to have a multitude of stances, I think. We need to be situationally aware. I want to empower coaches that you don't have to just stay there. Um, and there's a trend in uh, the certifying bodies. It's not just the coaches. The Scrum Alliance, I'll pick on my my, my colleagues at the Scrum Alliance, uh, the Scrum Alliance really emphasizes coaching stance in their coaching certifications. And I think we're doing uh, the, the certs and the people a little bit of a disservice. Now, I, I think that's broadening. We're starting to challenge that. Uh, the, the Scrum Alliance is looking at the Agile Coaching Growth Wheel, which is a model that's central in the book. And that's mm-hmm. helping, to me, the wheel is a way of broadening your stances or your your situational awareness. But that that's the primary thing. And I saw it doing harm, Jeff. Like like leaders were like, harm to the coaches, particularly like the coaching stance and coaching up. I don't know if you all have done it, but a lot of CEOs or C-level people, they don't like to pay people lots of money to have them ask them thousands of questions. <laughs> And not actually, not actually provide any value, right? And to make them solve everything on their own, uh, so it doesn't land well. In again, in some contexts, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It it actually lands really poorly. I've seen, all joking aside, I've seen coaches get kicked out of organizations because they they weren't meeting the client where they were. Mm-hmm. So I wanted I wanted to add nuance to that. How do, how do you think that's different? And I'm really curious with one of the things that you were just saying, like asking those powerful questions at an executive leadership level, a C-suite level versus boots on the ground level. Like you're you're coaching there with a scrum team, whether that's a, a software engineer, a business analyst, or a product manager. Like what, what I, I would guess that you'd run into the same problems at that level that you would be running into at the C-suite. I agree. I think you get away with it a little bit more, maybe at a team level, because they look at you, oh, it's Bob, it's a coach. 
<laughs> it yeah. must be it must be right that he's teasing that he's not providing me anything any answers <laughs> and I just need to struggle. It must be right to do that. So I th- I agree with you. I I think any coach needs to have this situational awareness. Like we're in the service to the client. What are some of the premises? Mm-hmm. We need to serve the darn client. We need to meet them where they are. We need to have stances or postures or skill sets, competencies mm-hmm. uh, in order to do that. Uh, and not just have one, not just have this one stance, but have, you know, there's teaching, there's mentoring. Uh, and we've had models. The one, the two that the Agile Wheel added that I like over the X-Wing model was leadership and consulting, or what I would call advising, what the, what the wheel calls advising. Uh, a lot of coaches, Jeff, won't advise. It's like pulling teeth. You know, I'm in pain. I'm along the side of the road. I'm bleeding out. And and what's your tool? <laughs> you asked me about how much, how much, vo- what is the volume of blood loss that you're having, Bob? It's like, you know, throw a bandage on me for God's sake, right? <laughs> like, like help me out here, throw me a bone. And, and, but that's, oh, but that's, that's advising. That's being too prescriptive. No, it's in that situation. It's what I need. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's an extreme example, but there are some teams like there are coaches that sometimes you just need to, to lean into a team and be prescriptive. I think not that not excessively do that all the time, but sometimes the team needs that or an individual needs that, or a leadership team needs that. Yeah, and I think there's a balance there, right? You can be too dogmatic, and you can come in and say, this is exactly what it needs to be, or you can come in and be pragmatic and be like, okay, but you do need some education. You're like, you know, like letting things age to be years long before you actually finish them or keep them in progress long. That's just not going to work well. Like, I don't care who you are, what we're doing here. It doesn't even have to be an agile thing, right? Or whatever the concept is, you know? So, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, there's, there's balance in everything. You know, one thing that I I did, so when you started your own company, and you know this, you can you can give yourself whatever title you want to give yourself. And so I went away from agile coaching personally uh, when I started my company a couple of years ago and called myself an organizational agility advisor. Because what people thought of coaching, peer coaching, I knew that wasn't the only stance I was going to go into. And that's probably a stance I use very later in, late in an engagement for a lot in a lot of cases. I never start with that or usually don't. It's just not the right time and place for it. People don't know what they don't know. And so there's much more of that modeling, partnering, teaching, coaching, right? Like a mix yep. of that, you know, early on. So, yep. But there's this narrowness. You you have this nice breath in, in the discussion you just had. I remember I was talking to Ryan Ripley. We were He invited me to a pod not that long ago. Or it was before the book came out. And he's like, well, I'm not a coach. And his view was, he's, and I, I've known Ryan for a little while, mm-hmm. and I was thinking to myself, well, that's a stupid thing to say, because from my point of view, you're a freaking coach. Mm-hmm. And, but then his view was, you know, he wasn't good at professional coaching. He's like, I have no professional coaching skills. I haven't gone to ORSC. I haven't gone to coactive coaching. I'm not accredited with the, you know, the International Coaching Federation. And I'm like, well, okay, that's this one. I think I popped the wheel up for him in the session. I'm like, well, that's one slice. You're right. You're pretty darn weak in that slice, in that, in that area, that competency. Mm-hmm. But damn it. What about like leadership? Ooh, you know, and he has some really nice agile leadership chops. And then, and what about advising? I'm like, do you ever do that? <laughs> and he's, yeah, I occasionally provide advice. So it's good. So as again, I, I think I was fighting away. A lot of folks are out there and they've had this narrow view 
and I think we ended it. And he's like, well, yeah, I am. A, I need to do research. But he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better that I'm closer to coaching than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think, I think a, whatever you call yourself, I think it's the well-roundedness is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And, and not getting stuck on, I have to, you know, I have to be perfectly deep in every area, but understanding that it's a deep, broad profession that mm-hmm. you can grow in. And to and a part of your continuous development, continue to develop yourself broadly and deeply. Mm-hmm. You Jeff, know. yeah, um, I I was curious, like of uh, the the broadening that that uh, Bob was just talking about, but also knowing the time and place to actually do or directly shell versus even advise, and and I guess thinking about those spectrum or, or those different areas, like how we've been talking a lot about agile coaching and management consulting, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call that. But I'd love to get hear your take on the literal coaching that you've been doing. I, th- I think it's your, your son's basketball team. Yeah, you're making me think of that too, Bob, when you were just talking about that. And, you know, it's sometimes when you take it out of our normal day-to-day, what we do, and then you put into another lens and use it in a different context, like, it just like rings true. You're like, oh, I'm totally doing this. And so like one thing is, so I'm teaching, I'm, my son's a third grade and they're teaching him basketball. And basketball teaches to a bunch of third graders where they don't really know what they're doing is a challenge. I'll yep. tell you that. And so, like, I tried more of a coaching, not like more of a coaching. Like, I were to teach it, I'm going to give sets of these drills. You're going to do these things, and that wasn't working. So I had to I had to pivot real quick. And I had to, one thing, like, I had to do a lot of modeling. So me, I got a couple of the dads actually to come out and actually like run against them so they can understand like when you do this this is the next thing when the defense does this yep. this is what you, you can coach them in the moment on the movements right like they have to it's almost like pairing is what it was almost like when you were doing it and i had to switch and do that early on because they just weren't getting it by just saying hey just go out run this drill and you just got to get open go set a pick over there do that like what the heck's a pick <laughs> you know <laughs> you know like exactly. what do you mean <laughs> you know and so you try showing them but they still don't get it and then you're like no no it's tag here's an obstacle you're trying to get it by this person you know and like you break yep. it down in different ways and then and then it rings true in some land with different people and you have to use different analogies and different uh, modes and stuff but um I, I've definitely just seen that work over and over again. And then I stop and I, whenever I'm in a coaching engagement now, I, I think it helps me to say, well, what am I doing here? Like, this is, doesn't seem to be ringing. What stance should I be using? What could I try that would be differently? And very close to like what the third graders, it's like, well, this isn't working. What else can I use? You know, I, I call it, I learned this in ORSC, my ORSC training, uh, or it's organizational relationship systems coaching. It's a formal coaching program. And uh, they talk about dancing with the client, and it's a re- it's a it's a nice metaphor, but mm-hmm. it's really hard. It's and part of it, what's tied to it, is being present with your client, like being present with your team, and thinking what's working, what's not working. Uh, this isn't working. I need to switch. And a lot of folks, if they're not dancing, they again the one <laughs> the one trick pony would never switch. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like you're switching. Oh, let me try this. Oh, I see. You know, the lights are going. You know. There's, I'm training them, but they're not getting it. Maybe modeling. Like you switched from, let's say, teaching to modeling. Mm-hmm. And because it was sort of very close-knit showing. Well, there was reasons you did that. You didn't yeah. just flip a coin. Right. You were sort of looking at the situation in real time in your head. And I think there's an artfulness to it, right? There's a staying presentness to it of dancing you know, with your client. It's funny, Jeff. I wanted to share. My editor for the book... <laughs> is Deanna Burkhart. 
and I've had her, she's been my primary editor for a few books and, uh, and, and we know each other, we get along pretty well. We don't know each other deeply, but as she was editing the book, she was having situations in her business and with her children. And she was using, and she would report, she's like, boy, that really worked, right? She's like, I, you know, or that didn't work. And we were having, she was giving me feedback. And I'm like, that's not editorial feedback. That's usage. What are you? And she's like, yeah, it, yeah, I, I, I tried this with my, and she was t- t- doing it on her husband, right? So it was like, she was trying these different things and giving me really great feedback all along the process. And she grew, her awareness grew in reading, you know, not from the book, but just in thinking, right. And reflecting on some of the tools and the techniques from the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the techniques I really like from the book, uh, you know, you do some of it, but sometimes you struggle at it was the chess analogy on like a coaching session. And so you talk about like the opening moves, the middle game, and then the end game. And so I know I get personal relationships with a lot of people I'm coaching and the opening game can sometimes get into like, okay, where are we going with this? Like we're now in the middle game already. And like, we didn't set like a direction yep. and I got to get better at that, you know, like, and so having that kind of language, I guess just helped me be like, yep, I need to be more firm on this. We can have the socialization, but I got to get to the opening game real quick after that, you know, to make sure I know where I'm Absolutely. going here. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that firmed up for me is I was a lazy coach. I still, I'm not, I'm not a great role model. I'm probably not the best role model, but I would do, I would sort of wing it. I mean, I had, I had the arc, the coaching arc in my head, but I wouldn't plan, for example, one of the areas that I was weak in is establishing sort of what are our, what are our goals for this coaching session? like entering properly and really, and making it the client's agenda, not my agenda. Mm-hmm. And if the client didn't have something, I would, you know, one of the mistakes I would always make, and I still find myself doing this and I have to stop myself, is that the client doesn't have something, I always have something to offer. It's like, because I know where you should be going, mm-hmm. even if you don't know where you should be going. So here, I'll offer you my agenda. And it's my agenda, right? I'm, I mean, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing that. It's really forcing or encouraging the client have an agenda, and then that lands the arc as well because now mm-hmm. we can confirm or we can check in on how did we how did this conversation align with your agenda? So that's like the opening that sort of bookends, if you will, mm-hmm. right the, on, on that. And and that's that helps me. I was lazy with that for years. I got away with it, but it's really sharpened my coaching and the and and sort of mm-hmm. the impact of the coaching as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would always start off real strong with that with a client. And then after a while, it would tend to fade a little bit because they'd be like, oh, here and now, this is my problem I'm dealing with today or this week. And instead of being more, I don't know, like a roadmap like you talked about, uh, actually with Josh on the last podcast that you guys were talking about, like, it seemed like we lose direction a little bit. And sometimes then we hear yep. around and it's like, well, we should be a little more focused on this. It shouldn't just be like, I'm not your manager. Like, you don't have to report things to me. And it would take a while to like get through some of that fluff yep. to be like, all right, what are we really working on here? And uh, how do you need me to show up? And what are we trying to get out of this? So um, I think I think that language just helped and it helped center me. You know, stuff you start doing, but then you're like, I need more focus here, you know? Uh, and so that's... That I mean, you'll me. find that in the ICF and the professional coaching, they, you know, so I, don't, I, I want to give a nod to them. I'm not, right, in agile coaching, it's a stance. But the discipline of ICF coaching is emphasizes what we're talking about. 
I mean, you couldn't get away with it, you know. So if you were if you were having a master coach guide you, yeah, it would be like if you tried to get lazy at any point in time, the hammer is going to come down. I mean, quietly offline, right? As you yeah. get feedback for your coaching sessions, yeah. Because they, you know, you gain experience, but there's some things that they're just really sharp on, and it's because it's important, right? Like establishing the client's agenda, closing it, so sort of the the dynamics of that. No matter how well you know them. Yeah, you know, even even if you're you know related to them, you you need to you need to establish those boundaries. Yep. Um, and why don't we right. talk about something? We need to talk about some other topic other than coaching. I wonder, uh, could it be product related stuff or something? What do you, what do you got? I don't okay. know. So I've I've been waiting been waiting to chime in with this, Bob. So uh, we we talked beforehand. I I have not yet read the book. My my career is going in a in, in a different direction. So I've been very focused on if I've got free time and I'm reading books, it's it's generally on product management. Um, but that you know that agile coaching title is something I've had in the past. It's still something that I watch out for. Uh, but what I'm curious about is you know what's what's in it for me, Bob? Like why why should I care about badass agile coaching and and what should I be looking to 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 get from a read like that? So it's not just let me correct you because you're a product owner and you can handle this. Is it? It's extraordinarily badass agile coaching. So there's badass. Don't undersell it. It's I, now I'm expecting extraordinary stuff coming out of this, Bob. <laughs> so then, then we're 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 at a level. We're at a meta level. You know, beyond. You know, Jeff. In in all seriousness, and it's not a, a product discussion. One of the mis- I'm kicking myself. So the book's been out for six weeks, six to eight weeks, whatever it is. And and this happens to be inevitably. And I'm like, damn it, I blew it. In the product owner book, like one of the additions I didn't put, I have this four quadrants thing that I talk about. And I, I didn't emphasize it in the book. And and I'm like, you know, and like a month later, I'm like, oh, crap, I should have, you know, I formalized it. And I'm like, I missed my window. And and this time, I I. I talk about agile, I think about agile coaching and I'm like, the title sort of says this book is only for people who are doing agile coaching. And that's not, that's not the point. I actually wish I would have changed the title a little bit or added some flair. I think let's pick on leaders. I think leaders are mm-hmm. coaches. Mm-hmm. Whether they like it or not, whether they accept it or not, I don't really care. You should have chops in coaching. You should have presence. You should have the ability to land an arc. You should have the ability to listen effectively, right? You should have client, not your agenda. I don't care if you're the grandest poobah on the planet. You should have the ability to to have those coaching conversations with people in your organization. Not just people that report to you, peers. Uh, And now, now let's take it to another level. I think scrum teams right? Uh, members of scrum teams, whether you like it or not, I think you could be, you could become a more powerful, more high performance scrum team if you're coaching each other. Now it's not going to be formal. No one has business cards, I hope, with, with the, the label on it. But if there's an opportunity, like Jeff, if Jeff, if you and I are on a scrum team together and we're partners and I'm I'm doing something that I need. I need you to have a crucial conversation with me, a coaching conversation with me, peer to peer. I I want you to have the tools or the techniques or the tactics or the confidence. You should have the the ability, the tactics to do that. So I think as a team, read the book. Is it high in your book? You know, on the priority of your book list? 
I don't know. Maybe not. There's other things. Uh, I'd say product owners. Man, in a product owner world where you're negotiating, when you're na navigating with stakeholders, when you're navigating with customers, when you're, I, I would hope that you're having coaching conversations. You are having coaching conversations all the time. You're, you're navigating, the, you know, <laughs> the alligator pits, and you're not, right. And you're trying, you're, you're trying to get prioritization out of folks. You're trying, like their body language. What if someone's an introvert and they have a different agenda and they're not really communicating it well? You should have the ability to read them, to have the presence mm -hmm. to read that, and to explore that with them. Like, like, look, have meta skills. Bring I, the book talks about meta skills. I think the meta skills discussions in the book, and they're light, but they're really impactful. I think they would arm you. They would really aff affect the, you know, the performance that you have as a as in product in that space. So I would, I would like the book to be sort of coaching mm -hmm. in agile contexts would be a better. Or we're all coaches. Like suck it, maybe this is a, a title, suck it up and get over it, whether you like it or not. We're all coaches. So figure this, so this book maybe can help you to figure out what that looks like. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I think it just identified a pretty big blind spot that I have with things where I don't disassociate a job title with a skill set. And so when I see anything that's agile coach or even really coaching, I'm like, no, that's not me. Like I, I'm over here in product area and that's that's where, where I focus. Whereas what you were just articulating was a, a toolbox uh, yeah. with a, a wrench and a hammer and a pliers and all of these other items that you just generically lumped into agile coaching. But that doesn't mean only the agile coach goes in and takes out the pliers from time to time and, and uses them. Um, whereas anybody on in an organization may want to occasionally use the the pliers, use the screwdriver, use the hammer, mm -hmm. et cetera. I think I and I and I think I blew you know, I not a major, I'm not beating myself up too much, but I do think there's this categorization that a lot of people have. And some somewhere, I think I genericized it a little bit in the introduction of the book, but the but the covers and the titles are so important, and I I probably could have broadened that view, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Now, what I'm going to try to do is write articles, and and by talking to you guys about it, I and, it, and this is this has nothing to do with revenue. It has nothing. I don't care, right? It's go get a free copy, you know, or ask me for a free copy of the book if you're in these situations. But it really is, makes a difference in the effectiveness of roles. Mm -hmm. And, it, and, it, and it, it's in the different roles, Jeff. If I was to categorize, prioritize the roles, I would say product owners, scrum masters, and leaders really need to sharpen their coaching chops in those in those roles for different reasons, but there's a lot of commonality in tools because of the dynamics of the roles and the impact it has towards high performance teams, right? And high performance results. So I'm curious, Bob, in, in your experience, where, where do you feel like most product managers are lacking? Gosh. And I'll give you one, Bob, if you want from a moment, I'll jump in to think about it. I think they're really lacking in the mentoring stance. Like I don't see a lot of product owners mentoring other product owners. And I think that that's a gap in the industry. I think when we talked with Marty Kagan, even a few months ago, he called that out as something that he sees all the time too. And 
I guess I've been noticing even more and more with clients after he kind of pointed that out to us. So I'll throw that one out there as like that stance inside of the coaching, you know, model, I think is really lacking in the product side. I was, I was thinking about that as well, Jeff, and I'm, and I'm curious, and I think we've talked about this in, in the past, but like the, the product manager is almost on an island for a lot of the, the stuff. Like, it, you know, you were, Bob, you were just using the example of I'm, I'm a, I'm an engineer and I need to have a powerful conversation or a crucial conversation, excuse me, with, with another team member. Like there is that, it, I, I feel like that's a lot easier conversation to have when you are on a team, when you're working with one another. But if hypothetically you're on a scrum team, there, there's one product owner, right? Like who is that product owner going to go to, to get that, that mentorship or the guidance? Uh, unless you're in a larger organization, maybe there are multiple, but so much of the time I feel even myself now, like I'm on an island, I'm doing all the product manager things that I need to do on my own in service to the the, the delivery team that I'm working with. I I mean, I'm going to come back to, I'm going to say yourself. self. So the middle of the wheel, intentionally, the hub of the wheel, the, the agile coaching growth wheel is self-mastery. And self-mastery contains things like self-awareness, uh, continuous learning and growth, um, emotional intelligence, uh, communication, uh, presence. Uh, presence would be how do you show up? How does the org- how do you show up to the organization, Jeff? Do they have confidence in you? How do you show up to your team? Uh, I'm not talking about false bravado, but like without even opening your mouth, how are they perceiving you? What is the history with you? Uh, there's a lot of growth and development. Are you even coachable, Jeff? Right. Do you, are you aware that you're, do you, are you, are you a good team member? You know, we talk about leaders or good followers. There's that notion of to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. Jeff, are you, are you, are you a good follower? Are you exploring you? And so I, I think, I, I think I would actually offer that's an area of weakness. Like product owners are generally very outward, tactical, strategic, tactical, but very team focused, organizational focused. Forget all of that crap. I mean, I say this about coaches. You, you, our overall performance starts inside of us. Mm-hmm. So, so look inside. I'm not taking you off the hook for backlogs or for providing product guidance. So you still have to do that in the daytime. But what are you doing? Um, and and then go to mentoring. Like I was hearing, well, you know, I, I heard your language earlier. You're well, you know, I'm focused on my team, and if I'm in a small company, there's no mentoring opportunity. Well, tough. Then you have to develop yourself. So figure that out. Go get go go to a product owner group, a meetup group. Mm-hmm. Now, so self mastery, yeah, it's tough, right? But that doesn't take you off the hook to develop that. Um, if you have one product owner in your organization, are you pairing with them? We talk mm-hmm. about pair coaching, uh, or I talk about pair coaching in the in in the book, and it's incredibly powerful to do. I love pair coaching. I learn something every time in pair coaching, and I'm. I'm not weak at my coaching jobs and I'm, it's not just me teaching. It's if I open, if I'm open-minded, I learn something. So you have a responsibility to guess. It may be lonely. It may be silo based in the organizational view of your role, but that doesn't take you off the hook for personal development. And it's not just you mentoring. So not you being coached, but are you coaching? Uh, are not just you being, don't be selfish, right? Mentor me. Are you, who are you mentoring and who are you coaching? And so it goes both ways in those directions and pairing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And and that's that activity of really 
focusing on the hub. I, I think a lot of product owners, and I would put self-care in there, coming back to what we started at, it, you're out t- are you taking care of yourself? Are you joy? Do you even like what you, not you, but as a product owner, do, do you, are do you, do you jump out of bed in the morning? Are you happy to be doing what you're doing? If, you know, if not work, you know, what do you do to work on having joy in your role? Do you need to switch companies or switch teams or talk to your supervisor or whatever your boss about that? But that's, that's an area where I think a lot of PO, like product folks start in the middle, start in you. Did that resonate or did that sound like a, a, a guy on his last legs? <laughs> on the home stretch? <laughs> on the home stretch. I keep, I got to write this down. Right? It's the, it's the home stretch. <laughs> no, it, it did. And, you know, I, I just struggle quite a bit sometimes when in actually like continuous development, continuous growth has been a, a pretty common theme over the last few episodes uh, that, that we've hit on now and again. Um, and maybe I just miss having those coaching opportunities where I had opportunities to work with another person because I have been defaulting to more of the internal uh, retrospective and just seeing like, you, you mentioned, like I, I read a lot, like two books a month is is kind of my quota. Uh, you know, doing the podcast is, is another one of those things. Um, blog posts, podca- other people's podcasts, et cetera. Like it, it's all in, in the gamut, but that's just like one type of learning for me. And I think maybe I've just kind of longed for the, the other type of actual interaction and human coaching uh, versus doing it all myself. So I wanted to dive into the pairing thing a little bit. So Jeff and I used to pair a lot. So we used to be at an organization together. We paired a ton. And then he's, we've gone different ways. And this podcast is one way we stay connected and, and uh, uh, you know keep our relationship uh, close and stuff. And, um, and I pair with a lot of a lot of people. I spend a lot of time pairing, and I see you don't do that as much, Jeff, now anymore. And I, and some of it you do get mentoring, like you give and get mentoring, I think. But I think that's the perception that most people have when they see pairs. Like, oh, you're mentoring that person, or they're mentoring you. And I think you called it out a lot in the really well in the book, like pairing pair when the like when the stakes are high, like when you need your best foot forward in multiple perspectives and you want diverse ideas, pair. When you want like growth pair when you want uh when you're talking about new ideas and you like you need to figure something out like pairing's gonna be good like uh thinking is something that you know at least with a small group can can go up instead of one person like all the times when i'm pairing there's things that emerge that would have never emerged by on our own um and so i just i I'm nudge out there to pair with somebody i mean it could be your scrum master if you're a product person it could be another agile coach going together. It could be another person on the team, maybe the UX person, right? And the product owner pairing together, like there's a skill there, right? Like it can be lots of different combinations. I think part of the problem, and I think we've maybe touched on this a little earlier in the podcast, is that we see ourselves inside of uh, a specific role. I do a role instead of skills that we need on a team and we're all the team is what matters. And and the, the skills are things that multiple people can do. And uh, we should all build them up. So coaching is a skill. I think back to your point from before, Bob, like, and we all, we want everyone on the team to have at least some level of coaching. And we might have some people that are really, really good at it and can help other people grow in it, but they might not be good at everything else. And so, yep. I don't know, just what are your thoughts on that? Like uh, pairing and other than mentoring and, and I guess just coaching everywhere or thinking of it as a skill instead of as a, uh, a role. I, 
I agree. I agree with everything you said. Uh, I think we can get stuck. I mean, to me, and it's not just the pairing and the events. I remember Sean Bradshaw is a coach that I work with at Synergy. We we're sort of partners. We don't pair as often as I'd like. Um, uh, but uh, we would pair with a client, and we would powwow. So, so pairing isn't being, you know, sort of glued at the hip. So I remember we'd go into a client in the morning, and we'd have breakfast, or we'd go to the client's cafeteria, and we'd sit there, and we'd review the day, the previous day, and our strategy. So we'd look at what was our coaching mm-hmm. strategies. Why are they paying? You know, what are they paying us for? What what's happened so far? Then we would talk about what we had planned to do today. Where was he going to go? Where was I going to go? Where were we going to go together? And we would talk about is that still mm-hmm. relevant? And, and, and very often we would change things. It's like, oh, you know what? I was talking to those leaders yesterday, Bob, and it sucked. And uh, why don't we throw a different head at them? You're older. You've got what? You're in the home stretch. Well, we'll throw you at them because all those leaders are in the home stretch too. So you'll resonate with them. And, and we, we talked about, and all joking, I'm, I'm just beating the crap out of that, but we, we, talked, we talked about it, and we would make adjustments. Then we would meet at lunch, and in some cases, we would go together, and in some cases, we wouldn't, but we would game plan at lunch, mm-hmm. then we would reevaluate. How did that go? Oh, you know what? It was really challenging. We should put our heads together. Mm-hmm. It, it, the client really needs us both to be there. We don't know what we're going to say, but we need to be there. So during the course of the day, there was some there was some pairing, but we were also pairing at a meta level yeah. on the overall arching strategy. I actually think both was really healthy, uh, and in fact, I really resonated just with the over. We were just like you know, I felt like we were a team. Mm-hmm. I felt what we were, and and what we kept in mind was the overarching goals for the client. And we were we were working together to do that. And I've seen coaching teams take a similar thing, that they're 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 not they're kind of pairing as teams. So I I, I think it's just that kind of collaboration, that close knit non silo based close knit collaboration. I would almost land it that way, um, and see. And the more of that you do, I think the better the results. You know, you have this great thing inside of there, uh, the book, Bob, where you talk about this client that comes to you. And in one of the first sessions, they're like, yeah, I'm really excited about this Agile thing. And uh, let's do safe. I heard it's awesome. It was really great in my last client. Um, and the leadership team's like, yeah, I guess that's all we really know. So let's do it. And they bring you in and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do I do here? Because if we take a time out, it can be a very safe is a very polarizing word inside of the agile community, right? Like people either love it or hate it and have very yep. strong opinions one way or the other. So regardless of your opinion, I, what I really liked about the book is how you kind of step through different examples of how you could approach that without just like jumping right into like, you're right, I'm wrong, or some kind of teacher stance that's very strong. Like, oh, so let's talk through like, what, what do you do in that situation? Let's, let's maybe even role play this, Bob. Let's say I'm a client. I'm like, hey, Bob, I heard say it's awesome. It was great in my last job. Uh, I want to get full-blown safe. I think, you know, we should, you know, spin up a couple trains here. And and uh, can you help us with that? I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm, Jeff. And I appreciate your, your positive experience with safe historically. <laughs> but uh, you're just starting. So I my concern as your coach is, is to try to, guide you to not put the cart before the horse and and my concern would be is safe there's there's different scaling frameworks and there's different approaches uh, 
and and you and I both know we haven't talked about it right this second, but I don't even know if you've established like your why, like why, mm-hmm. what problems are you trying to solve, and why are you even you know thinking about using agile, and 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 you're not alone. So let me normalize most clients. So I normally hear safe or scaling framework, and then the tool. So and and I'm I'm actually incredibly impressed that you're not talking about Jira right now, and and just and picking those two things. So, but before that, we may get there. But does it make sense to maybe consider the purpose and the problems you're trying to solve, and spend a little time on that and the organizational dynamics, and then see if safe makes sense? So, could we walk back to walk forward? What do you think? Yeah, let's let's explore that. So, 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 you, that, so yeah, so you jump in and try to get them back to the why is, is kind of jumping out of our role playing here, right? Like that's kind of where, where you what you did there. Well, and I think, and I think a lot of clients, um, you know, they get things out of it's not that safe as much as it breaks my heart, but it can work in context. But that's mm-hmm. that's get there. That's help guide the client get there. And you saw that in the in the book we talked about that. That dialogue was actually Mark. That was Mark Summers, oh, right? okay. walking through walking through that in a, in some scenarios. And if you remember, he, he, I don't know if he ever closed it. it. There was a lot of words in those chapters, so I don't know if he ever got back to having the client select safe. But there was a lot of things talking about problems to solve. Uh, the other thing that Mark tried to work on was alignment, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting the the different perspectives in a client. So he was coaching the system. So using yeah. ORS terms, when you're coaching a system, one of the things you want to do, a group of people, a group of leaders in an organization who are trying to make you know transformation decisions, uh, goals and whys are one of the early things, but also are they aligned? Like, like, are they all aligned on the problem that they're trying to solve? Are they all aligned mm-hmm. on the why? Are they al- aligned on priorities and things? And he spent some time doing that, if you remember, yep. before. So, so doing that, that pre-work. And it's not telling them, it's getting, it's, it's facilitating them discovering what those things are organizationally. Yeah, because that alignment sometimes takes way longer than actually getting the the thing out there like of oh here's the why but how do we get aligned and how where we go forward from here i, I think that you so many different experiences out there so many people that say i've done agile here or there and um just people talk past each other nonstop. so that alignment is huge right like and so i liked how you you know you slowed it down you didn't blame you didn't say oh no it can't be this it's like oh i'm glad you had some great experience tell me more about that what it was great about it what are we really trying to get here? I think uh, when you do that and you back up a little bit, you find out that a lot more people are more aligned than you think they are. They find out that they're more aligned than they think that they might think they're in totally different ends of you know of a spectrum here, but but you often find they're exactly on the same page, you know. And so it's just how we get there. Then after that, I went through this entire Orsk series, and uh, it was five classes, and then a. Uh, you know, a nine-month cohort where we practice coaching. But one of the sort of the underlying things that I noticed all of the tools uh, tried to do, or m- many of the tools tried to do, is to is to build empathy mm-hmm. and understanding uh, of folk of, of folks across each other, um, and and that is leading to this misalignment sometimes. Like very very often, we look at the world from our perspective, and we think that we have empathy, but we really don't. 
And a lot of the ORS tools try to work to get someone to mentally flip themselves and really live and look at the world from the other person's perspective or listen deeply to what their perspective is before you solve anything. And, and Jeff, this would go back to product. I think like mm-hmm. empathy for the, so I'm, I'm trying to get you to, I'm trying to get this book bouncing up your backlog. I really am here. Although I am being serious about it, but it's, it's that, that empathy is, it, it leads to the alignment. Uh, and, and we think we have empathy, but we really don't. Uh, one of the things, one of the worst tools is to, and you, you both have probably seen this, is instead of having face-to-face conversations, Orsk talks about the geography of the discussion. So very often, if you have two people and you're coaching a group and you have different views, put me put me side by side with someone, and then and then you position the problem, the problem we have with each other, or the thing we're trying to solve but we can't get there. You put it out in front of us. So instead of it being, you know, us being face to face, whether mm-hmm. it's virtually or spatially, you know, in in person. But we go shoulder to shoulder. If you've ever noticed whiteboard discussions, if you have folks debating in a room face to face, well, you're arguing against each other versus if you put, and, and Oris talks about charging the object with the emotion. So you literally can put a pen out in front, which represents the problem, and you charge it with all of the energy. And now why don't you sit back, go shoulder to shoulder, and let's solve that together. And what can we do to co-create the solution? But if you do something like that, it sounds odd, but it changes it changes the entire dynamics of the of the energy and the discussion in the room. And mm-hmm. really, and what you're doing is then it, it's helping to to understand empathy from each position. I didn't mean to go off in a little bit of an orx tangent. I apologize for that. But it, it okay. that actually that class changed. It didn't just. It wasn't just a coaching class. It actually changed. It made me a better, better person. It's just unfortunate that I'm only in the home stretch of my 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 career. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. You didn't let that too. I wish. I wish I had more time to, to get an ROI on that investment. Can I share with you guys a, a, a story of my wife, real quick? Yeah. Would you mind? Yeah. Go for so it. So I was ta- I was talking to my wife before I before I paid for Orsk. So Orsk was tens of thousands of dollars, and I had I paid for it in advance. And I really I really decided I didn't ask my product owner wife, and I'm an independent consultant, so I really didn't engage the PO very well. And I sort of made the commitment to it. And and then I did the damage control afterwards. And I was talking to my PO and and, and she's like, you're taking a coaching class. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really excited about it. She's like, isn't that what you do? Yeah. And you've done that for like 20 plus years, right? Yeah. And she's like, do you really think you'll have the time to recoup the ROI of it? And, and I was like, so you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm in the the home stretch of my career, and I may not recoup it, right? And, and, and I just, I no, no, but you, and I just burst out laughing. I'm like, hun, I have no idea. You're right. I may, I may not last tomorrow, but let's give it. But I've already paid for it, so let's give it the good old college try. Uh, but I, that ROI question just it, it tickled me that she was talking about, it. and it's and to consider that. So I thought that aligned with that comment a little bit. Is is your just to butt my nose in is is your wife in the product space at all like does that no what you no. do kind of resonate okay no 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 she has no clue she asked, about once a week 
Uh, so there's two questions I get. I get, what is this agile stuff that you do mm-hmm. periodically? And then are you charging for that? Uh, it, <laughs> because I have a tendency to give things away for free sometimes in the community. So those are the two prime. And I think, I think they're sort of product ownery <laughs> questions to some degree. But no. How do you, how do you we, we've actually talked about this uh, in the past. H- how do you explain what you do to other people? Not just the coaching, but like the agile side. Like if somebody's like somebody who has no idea about tech or organizational structure or agility or anything like that, like, and they come up, I've, I've heard this agile thing. You do that, Bob. Like, what, what is that? What is that all about? Like, how do you, how do you articulate that in just kind of like layman's terms, if you will? I, I, in layman's terms, I typically trivialize it. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a, or I try to simplify it. I'm not saying this is a good way, but I try to talk about empowering teams. I said, I'm, you know, I'm a software developer uh, and I built, you know, I've, I've been a technology leader in products. So agile is a way to build products, better products, faster and and saner for the team. So I talk about team health and that dynamic. And then I usually connect it to leadership. So I connect it to teams and outcomes, and then I'll connect it to, and you know that most leaders today suck and agile is a better way to lead, lead people. I think it's a, it's a, it's a different mindset for leading teams and, and I'm in the middle of those. So I'm in the middle of trying to transform leaders to be better leaders and teams to be better teams. So I kind of latch on those two things. And that seems to resonate. I mean, and then I, and then I say, and I'm not going to tell you anything more about it, you know, but <laughs> that's, that's where we're going to land it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's literally how I think about it, that I, I connect to those two better leaders and better teams. And, and it's not just teams, it's teams towards a teams towards a goal, teams towards an outcome, right? Yeah. Cool. I don't know. I've been landing what, how on... You, let I've me turn landing. it around. Yeah. How do you guys do that? So I struggle... Jeff and I struggle with this all the time because it's like you start getting in too deep with someone they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So you're like, I've tried lots of different ways over the years. And I think the one that I've landed on most recently here that I really like is, I, is this analogy. And I just say, well, in a lot of organizations... Uh, people work like a golf team where everybody goes off and shoots their around a golf and then they add their scores up the end and they hope that it works out. Oftentimes they find out it doesn't and then they don't really know how to put it all together and there's a lot of there's a lot of waste going on. What I do is I help people operate a lot more like a basketball team. And so everybody dribbles, everybody passes, everybody plays defense and then help the organization to figure out how to put coaching in place and put the support in place for the coach for the teams and the coaches to get better. And then I leave, and then I hope that they continue to improve. That's that's kind of what where I go with it. <laughs> so I like I like the sports connection, right? I, and and uh, the difference between basketball and golf, like you know, loan performance and then team performance. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I may borrow that. Yeah. If I if I encounter you know yeah. sports sports oriented folks. What do you do, Jeff? Now. Oh, I, I don't talk to that. That's that's one of the fantastic things about not being in that space anymore is I don't have to rack my brain about how I answer that question and just well, I, I just help build products that people love. That's that's my goal. There you. That sounds like that sounds like a product owner to me. Hopefully, Bob, I guess I mean we talked about the book quite a bit. But is there anything else you want to promote or talk to our listeners about? And I mean, I'll send you some some links just for follow up that you can. Uh, cross post or, or whatever. So uh, it was, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm proud of. And I think the feedback I'm getting so far is positive feedback. 
So to me, the closed loop is see a problem, work, and, and, and writing a book is a lot of hard work and time. It's, it's, it always, it reminds me, like in the middle, you always think you get done with it when you're done writing, but you're like halfway there when you're done writing. There's a lot of back-end stuff that you have to do. So it's pretty arduous. And I get a curve. In the beginning, I'm excited. And then I'm like, holy crap, I, I decided to write another book. Am I going to survive? And then you get some excitement when you when you release it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm in that curve. And uh, and it's I, I'm just really proud of it. So and I'm hoping that it solves I'm hoping not solves problems, but I'm hoping that it provides some positive insights to coaches. And it gets back to this goal of well-rounding. Uh, the audience. The other thing I'll send you guys is there's uh, Mark Summers is a, a, a contributor to the book. Uh, he's a coach in the UK, uh, and he was tied up with the agile coaching, the evolution of it in the community of the agile coaching growth wheel. And he and I constructed a survey, a um, uh, with uh, comparative agility. So sort of related to the book, not directly. Uh, we we created this free. Uh, personal improvement survey they have one for scrum masters and one for product owners and we added one for agile coaches mm-hmm. and it's out there and i'll give you a link to that and i i would encourage anyone who's listening whether you're a coach or not like take look at the wheel uh consider reading the book but look at the stuff on the wheel and then take the survey and it'll give you a wheel a well-rounded view of where your strengths and weaknesses and you can, and it helps you put together an improvement journey so Take a look at that. Thank you for listening to The Agile Wire. We are consistently inspecting and adapting ourselves. We would appreciate feedback at feedback at theagilewire.com or on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play Store. See you next time.